take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. Life is, uh... Miserable. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't you ain't whistling Dixie, Bob. Life is a drag. Um, Are we on? Yeah. Have, oh, okay. have you? Uh, I was wondering why you were talking sense finally. Yeah. <laughs> Only for the mic, buddy. <laughs> have you ever thought about um, suicide all the time? Yeah, keep going. No I'm kidding. Complete the list. Are you kidding? It's a long, slow. It's a long, slow drive to the pound <laughs> on this one. <laughs> Anyways, what? As we were saying, life is uh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> a terrible thing. Uh, have you ever um, made a huge sort of life shift thinking that that was going to be the improvement uh, and it turned out mm, not necessarily? I call that the solstice. Yeah. <laughs> once, <laughs> You're a twice once, a year. Once, maybe twice a year. <laughs> do that shit. It's you, usually accompanied by me shaving off all my facial hair and head. Really? All my hair, yeah. Wow. Okay. So change your that's, t- that's, that's my thing. Like, okay, I'm going to make a change here. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> shave the shit off. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I, it, most decisions in life are kind of like that. That's how we grow, right? Right, right. You know? I mean, I think about um, a time when I was out of, out of high school and I moved down to Long Beach with mm-hmm. my buddies. Yeah. Solely on the basis that we it, liked the radio station. We'd, <laughs> we'd driven through one time and they played <laughs> metal, so we went... Dude, you know, on, uh, here, let's be honest really quickly. Yeah. Of all the like criterion it takes for selecting a new town to live in... Yep. That's not that fucked up. No, it isn't. And and if you're 17, but you know, people yeah, make these right. decisions mm-hmm. throughout their lives. We, you don't have a career. This is like this. This is the only criterion you have. At the end, we're destined to to make to do these fuck ups oh, for sure, based yeah. on these visions that we have. But mm-hmm. I think you know William William Inge is, was um, the subject of our podcast today. William Inge was was born in 1913 in Kansas. Right. So this is a guy um, who's coming of age. And like maybe in his creative like early periods in the thirties in mm-hmm. Kansas during the Depression, right? And I don't know if by the time the forties came around, I, I should have done some research on this whether he was part of like the WPA type stuff with Arthur Miller. But he's of a little bit of Arthur Miller's ilk, yeah. But he seems to be stuck on this idea, or really crazy about this idea of stories about people who have a vision mm-hmm. and it's never what they think it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And it's probably... Well, I have to say that of the two Inge... In, fine. Inge, Inge. I, I like Inge. His name is Inge. He's Swedish. Inge Malmsteen. Fuck yeah. No Plays a great guitar. Inge, uh, but but um, of, the two, of the two that I know, I would say this is definitely a theme. Yeah, well, there's also, Which we're I mean, be talking about both of them today. Th- there's so, yeah. um, at least four biggies, right? Mm-hmm. So there's one we've already done, actually, Come Back Little Sheba. And by the way, I should mention oh. that, that William Inge is, um, it's the second time we focused on a writer and the first time we focused on a playwright. Hmm. Um, because hmm. we did Patty Chayefsky before, who, right, who was, right. I mean, a playwright of sorts, I guess. Yeah, but, a screenplay, right? Yeah. Um, so William Inge, you know, he, um, he does Come Back Little Sheba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He does. Um, Picnic in 1955. Mm-hmm. He does Bus Stop in 56. Right. And then, um, not a play, but a, a direct screenplay, it was uh, Splendor in the Grass. Oh, okay. He did that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. Anyway, but I think I think all of them have a little bit of that theme of of just sort of like dreaming and it, it, well, it never... Yeah, it, it, it's, I think they all sort of rotate around, at least, well... 
picnic is fucking there. Well, we'll get into more. But you're right. It's the peop- It's people having dreams with no capacity to actually realize those. Yeah. Except except for the very simpler ones. Yeah, I hate. I guess that. that's it's it's like yeah. kind of a battle of the common man against like the highfalutin dreams that our society kind of pumps into our head. Yeah, maybe. Um, and he does it in a style that's um, it's very corny but very likable. He's, he's more obvious than even like Arthur Miller. Yeah. Or I dare say even Tennessee Williams is kind of obvious in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would have to say like Inga is a, is a blunt, is a fucking blunt instrument. Yeah, for sure. There's nothing, there's very little subtlety going on in his play. So let's, let's talk about, um, uh, if you don't mind, which is the right first of, his, of the films that we're going to focus on and that's 1955's Picnic. Fucking Picnic. God damn it. Fucking Picnic, man. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought. It's just a, it's uh, it's a movie I love. There's so many things in it. There's so many great scenes mm-hmm. and such great acting going on in this movie. Yeah, that just it, it's it's hard. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Roz Russell steals the whole damn movie. Yeah, but well, she's it, got heavy competition. It's a film. It's a film that sort of goes against. Um, it, it sort of says a lot about us, right? Because mm-hmm. weirdly. Um, its greatest nostalgic value for me, and I think for you too, was was when we saw it when we were younger. Sure. And as we get older, a couple of things happen. <laughs> the things that are good and nostalgic stick, yeah. and then some of the things that don't make as much sense mm-hmm. because of your own life experiences, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's I have to say. Can you come to into an ink play? Can you come to one of these mm-hmm. with like Inch. how inch, uh, with how much cynicism can you bring to one of these? Mm. It really cynicism doesn't pay off. Watching these these films at all, and yet there's a little cynicism in it, or they play with. Boy, we're being you know we're being very esoteric about we this really particular are. one, but it's um it's he's different for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So so I remember in, in a very nostalgic way, not only like the nostalgia in the film Picnic, right, 1955's Picnic, mm-hmm. starring of course William Holden and. Uh, Kim Novak. Yes. Oh, what am I thinking? Not I mean, forgetting, as you mentioned, uh, Rosalind Russell, a couple of other people who w- went on to become you know really good stars. Well, and also Lee Strasberg's daughter, Susan Strasberg. Right, right. That's her. Yeah. Who I thought was great in it. But but mm-hmm. so uh, to me, there's two sorts of, of nostalgia here. One is that there's a it's a very um, connected to our early experiences with your dad watching movies. Sure. Because like that theme, the theme from Picnic, uh, the yeah. music in the background. Um, the, mm-hmm. the absolute sort of um, comfort right. of the film. What what then happens, I think, is that we start to realize, oh, it's also a serious film. It has, oh, the, these are real issues that happen to people in life, and we mm-hmm. get to judge those right. at some point. So so the premise is that, that William Holden... Okay, well, I, he's I, a drifter. Oh, he's he, a drifter and a ne'er do well, and but he's but but he's got dreams of like being somebody. Yeah. What that means, he doesn't fucking know, but it involves money and big boots. Something's going to change in his life. He's not going to he's not going to be a failure like his old man. He's right. only drifting to find to find his soul Until, in the right well, place. He's to, finding himself, and he's in his thirties. Well, so that's and the we're thing in a about time it. period when this was not that kind of thing wasn't looked upon kindly. Now, now, yeah. there's that, that that's a thing. It is Back a thing. Kind of was. I don't think the storyline is that he's supposed to be in his thirties, and that brings the first sort of issue with the film is that William Holden is much too old for the role mm, he's in. It. Yeah, he kind of is. Yeah, uh, that happened with Humphrey Bogart and like uh, the, the <laughs> Desperate Hours. Yeah, just a few people where it's like that doesn't really make sense. But right. okay, he's very likable. So mm, sure, 
You'll go with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Go, you'll go along with it. And he's, you know, he's William Holden, one of his better acting jobs, I'd say. I mean, he's definitely he's he kind of glows on the screen. He really Walls. sort of he really commands the screen when he's on it. Yeah. And then when he shares it, he com- he helps command it. Well, I don't know about that because in some ways, um, I, I love William Holden, and I don't think he did a bad acting job. But what what shone through for me is is it's one of the first films I remember thinking about how good the writing was beyond right. how good the actors were. Sure. So it so William Holden really. Seemed Seem to just be controlled by that language. That well, he was corny as fuck. But I think yeah. in, in, in any inch play, there's that's yeah. that's a lot of the characters are like that. So he drifts. Sorry. So so he drifts into. He's in Kansas, right? At this point, and he looks up an old college roommate, right? And that's Cliff Roberts. Cliff Robertson. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he looks him up because Cliff Robertson's old man is wealthy, and you know Holden wants to. You know he wants he needs to get somewhere, and he's starting to feel a little bit desperate about it. So he figures he'd go find his old college friend. Yeah. They can live old times and he can become an executive. So it's very clear from the beginning that that um, this character's full of shit. Oh yeah. He's he has all these ideas and dreams, but it's it's he's there's a, a reason yeah. he's a drifter. He's yeah. a loser. Yeah, he's full of poo. He yeah. wants he wants he's, he wants he wants he wants he wants he doesn't have any capacity and he, and no willingness to work well, to make it happen and, that and, we can see. And while that definitely cl- gets to a climax later on in the film, mm-hmm. it's not a it's you sort of recognize it for what it is as, yeah. as a part of storytelling as it's going along, but he's a man child. Yeah, but I think that it's it, he opens the film up in, in interesting ways. Like that conversation or, or that idea that he's full of shit occurs to the audience member pretty early on. Right. Um, and what it does is it sort of distracts you. It's a little sleight of hand from the fact that the, the town he's landed in not only can expose him for the failure he is, but they will expose themselves right. for the many failures that they, they are, are while they're yes. judging this guy. Right, of course. So so it's a kind of a latticework story in a weird way. It's not like Robert Altman-esque or anything, but it definitely does mm. switch around to different... Uh, points of view. I could see like I could, I could see like seeds of Altman going on here because you're right. There's, it's a large group of people, right. and they all get their moment in the sun. They all get their moment to spotlight. You know their basic you know, dreams and failings therein. So William Holden. So so he he runs into Cliff Roberts, or right. he you know maneuvers his way him, in right. to Cliff Roberts's life in Kansas. And Cliff Robertson has this you know girlfriend Kim Novak, mm-hmm. who's like the town beauty, beauty and yeah. everyone loves her. Mad. By the way, everyone loves and, Madge. And, and by the way, they should. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She's, 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 she's Kim Novak at her most Kim Novak. She's very Novaki. It's a Novakian observation that yeah. you just made, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah. You. Oh. So, of course, you know, I mean, it's, we, there's nothing we would give away that wouldn't be obvious to you as you're watching it. You know, obviously, there's going to be a tension between William Holden and, and Kim Novak. Right. And, of course, that's going to play against his friendship with, with Robertson. And she doesn't really care for Robertson because she doesn't just want to be pretty. She wants to live a life. Right, right. Outside and then, of simply being that. And then Kim Novak's mother, who has this history with, like, where is the father? And she's right. just trustful of men. But but the most interesting, I think most people agree, and we we'll go back to the point you made, is the relationship between Howard, this local bachelor hardware salesman, mm-hmm. and Rosalind Russell's character, who's this teacher who's been, you know, a single, you know, right. available teacher into her 40s. <laughs> um, Aggressively so. And she's been dating this, this guy, Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and so one of the failings. And he's a schlub, a, a very likable schlub. Well, here's you know here's the funny thing is they never they don't maybe maybe they don't get into this angle on him, mm-hmm. but he's the only character in the movie without dreams that he hasn't realized. 
He owns a hardware store. He lives yeah. above it, and he's got records. He makes he's a got speech. A comfortable, he, got, he has a comfortable couch. He yeah. likes his little. He likes his little life he's made for himself. And so there's a he's scene. The only that, one of the whole fucking. There's show a like scene that. that plays out between them that is oh, so dreadfully brutal. brutal to watch, <laughs> oh, but it's so great. Because she's so desperate to find that man. And all of these situ- all of these situations that individuals have, and they're looking at grief and their failings, mm-hmm. and and all of that. It also, of course, and there's a sort of like corny bit of of playwriting that we were talking about earlier. It happens that Holden's drifted into town during the town's like harvest moon. Mm-hmm. You Niwala, know, week. Niwala is the name of the thing. Which is you know, and of course for Halloween, she, there's a queen that's that's crowned, and you know, mm-hmm. Kim Novak's. Everyone's you know putting the the Vegas odds on her, and yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 got a lot of corniness, but it, it it's you know it pays off. It pays off so good. Like that scene. Okay, the scene with yeah. the music. All right, which is that's the, yep. the the theme from the movie it's from Moonglow essentially and Moonglow are are combined mm-hmm. in this one thing. Mm-hmm. They're just they're allowed to mingle in this beautiful yeah. way. There's this dance. No. Sort of this dance between it's one uh, of the I hate to sound like an old fuck you know who goes like it's it's most, better with clothes on you can use your imagination but it is this one of the sexiest one of the sexiest essential seductions I've ever seen 1955 in my life. yeah yeah just beautiful and they're Tom like, and I are doing it right now we have remote microphones and we're doing the dance right now that's how into it we are. Anyways, um, but god damn it, they're just they're two sexy fucking people. Yeah. And they're and their magnetism. They just they they they, they exude well, a mutual magnetism that is kind of one of the highlights of the movie. But cleverly, I think for nineteen fifty five, what's woven in there is it's very sexual. Yes. Yeah. Like it's it's primal. Like, yeah. Well, these are two people who are Good at being their animal selves. A little hot in here. Yeah, Tell a little spicy. A little glass of water over yeah, here. Yeah, we're, we're in the fucking sweat palace tonight, man. It's Fresno and yeah. it's summer. Holy shit. Well, um, summer in Fresno may be hot, but I think this movie's even hotter, Tom. Oh, yeah. So let's go move over. <laughs> Please. Um, Take Ebert. Uh, no, it really is a, a, a tremendous movie. And all of this, yeah. but despite you, you, you easily overlook those flaws that we mentioned. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if you wanted to sit there and catalog the flaws, I could see why you mightn't sure. like this movie. Yeah. But I would hold it against you a little bit. I would think you don't have quite enough soul. Yeah, if you did. Well, and it's also I think you know it's important to sort of emphasize as if I haven't like ten times already how like these we chose to do an episode by a writer because I think the writing is a thing. Yeah, if you really pay attention, it's it's amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, big thumbs down to that sucker. Uh, Who? No bullshit. Picnic, Picnic is great. Please. Go check out Picnic. That's definitely definitely a recommend from myself. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So we t- yeah absolutely okay. now let's move over to bus stop. <laughs> so we turn to 1956's bus stop. Well, actually, now so hold on there, Tommy. Okay, go on. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna because I think we're both gonna go in a, a less you know favorable direction than, than we did with picnic. But there are some good things to say about it. I there are like a lot of things about this movie actually. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, mm-hmm. here's as I was watching mm-hmm. it, and I was thinking of picnic at the same time. Yes, and I was going like, oh. did picnic? T- Where's the word you're going to interrupt? Come on. I'm not. No, okay. Uh, did, did Picnic tone it down, or did this just amp it up? Well... And you know what I mean. I do I do know what you mean. Oh, I know a few things. I mean, there's a number of things you could mean there, by the way. But yeah. But um, I think that, that Bus Stop switches the genders a bit. And, and so... 
that they have to deal with it differently. So, so we'll get, I, I'm going to throw this out there even before we get to the plot, but it's uh, Monroe who's the restless one. Right. Who doesn't really know what she wants. Right. As right. opposed to Holden. And so it's like they have to amp up the, the stereotypes, first of all. I guess. Which are ridiculous. Yeah, the stereotypes are like way over the top. Bo, the character, like the major male, right, yeah. male So we start character. with the, the trip from Bo and Bo. His, his like keeper, essentially. Yeah, his keeper. Bo is... Uh, like uh, like a man like a man golden retriever. Yeah, uh, and, and rapey. Not rapey. Yeah, ra- yeah, rapist. Rapey. He's a rapist. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> a rapist waiting to happen. Like yeah. If like watching this movie, I think like in the age of the, of the of the you know the post serial killer age that uh-huh. we live in right now, I'm yeah. like I fucking pull a gun on this goddamn guy. Yeah, that was my thing. He that might he, be going too far. Dangerous. I mean, he's um, he definitely um, has gone Pepe Le Pew in him for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about that. But right. but the premise, he's like a stereotype of a cowboy, but like of a cowboy who never got told the word no. I think it would you know ever. Here's what like someone who like uh, American History X did, if I can, may mention, mm. uh, uh, is they took an unlikable, obviously <laughs> neo-Nazi <laughs> skinhead character, mm-hmm. and they imbued him with spots of likability sure and that actually made him interesting that's the problem here is there's nothing like it's he's a cowboy so it's like go out go why there's never a moment where he just says like oh can you pass the cream i put put in my coffee right now (laughs) right well until like the weird growth spurt at the end of the movie the very end of the movie he gets he's 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 scratching at civilization a little bit yeah so so he's on his way before that so yeah i mean it's over the top his character's over the top so he and and arthur Connolly, I think it is. He's the yeah. same guy from Picnic who played. Yeah, Howard. Howard. Um, yeah, that is right. I didn't notice an that. Inge favorite, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, they're on a bus from, from Montana on the way to Phoenix, I believe. Right, for like the World Championship Rodeo. Yeah. All right. So they're going to say so he's going to compete. He's never, ever left the ranch. He's apparently never seen a breast that wasn't attached to a cow. Which, by the way, you if you're writing this as a synopsis in 1955 to me, I'm like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, this could be great. Sure, absolutely. But, well, golly. Well, one of the reasons they're packing him off to the rodeo is not only is he a badass cowboy, apparently, mm-hmm. but he, he, but they want to get him, I guess they want to get him laying. They want to get him some trim. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's got a little bit of last American versions to it. Yeah. Break, Precursor. On, break, break his spirit. Get him out there. Get him, get him in front of the ladies. Yeah, sure. I mean, and why not? You know, he's, he's uh, 21 and another sort of a character who's the actor who played him is a little old, a little for, too his, old for that yeah, yeah but yeah. but okay um this guy who's looks like an astronaut right and is, yeah he's pretty he is a pretty man and uh, you know he haws his way around and his his keeper arthur Connolly has to say now bo calm down the bo stop raping that chigger you but know just er, like- but early on in some what i side note have to note is one of my pet peeves of old hollywood and that's a person who plays the guitar and the music's not matching their hand motions. <laughs> that b- always bums me out. Well, okay, I just I want to talk. I, I missed that because I was watching a bus filled with like a like basically a greyhound filled with people yeah. singing along to a guitar. Oh yeah, why like, would they? It would be amazing to see somebody try that today. But in a clumsy bit of filmmaking, that's uh, like while a song's being sung, uh, a conversation's happening between Bo and he, right? The, the singer yeah. of said songs, right? Um, about how he, the bus is singing. <laughs> he's figured out the woman he should have in his life, and it's going to be an 
angel who's yeah. perfect. So like nothing. His angel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My <laughs> angel. And she's got a. Well, what if she says no, Bo? Oh, she won't say no. Like it yeah. gets fucking really weird. At well, that's interesting because he yeah, a no, no. Arthur Connolly. He's so rapey that Arthur Connolly, mm-hmm. who's meant to be his like slight foil, who's meant to make the audience comforted, like, oh, there's someone overseeing this motherfucker, right? right? Is like. I think you better set your uh, sights on a homely woman. Mm. And it's like, that actually sounds like the, the, the reasonable and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how yeah. bad Bo is, right? Well, well, they, well for, uh, the other thing too is you're watching and going like, <laughs> uh, Arthur, uh, he's like three feet shorter than Bo. Like, yeah. Bo really, like, he couldn't stop Bo if he wanted to. Well, I mean, the presumption is he's playing off the, the, the Lenny, right? Yeah. And well, George thing, right? Right, right. All right, so, so of course, they, they go to Phoenix mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, Bo's, uh, we run into Marilyn Monroe, who's a nightclub singer, yeah. who has these ambitions. Sean too, says she is prone to sing. She's from, I think, Georgia or something, yeah. South Carolina. She's, she's made this beeline. She's on her way to Hollywood, of course. Right. And so she's, you know, trapped in a saloon burlesque environment. Right. Until she can make her way, you know, keep, continue making her way west where she would become Marilyn Monroe, apparently. And weirdly, now here's where it gets mm. weird. Weirdly, Bo... Think, sees her and, and says, that's, that's my angel. Like, he like intimidates an entire angel. bar full of people to listen to her terrible singing. It's just a bad. She's not a good singer. That's, that's kind of one of the jokes. Yeah, here's the deal. Okay, so Malton said Leonard Malton said this was the first film that demonstrates um, Melanie Monroe's acting ability. Hmm. Let's pause here before I tell you whether I agree, I agree with them or not. We got like things things like the asphalt jungle where it's like yeah. two two or three lines, right? right. Um, gentlemen prefer blondes, where she's prominent, but who can tell if you're a good actor mm-hmm. in that in that role? Right, right. right. I think he might be right because mm-hmm. I think that while everything else is is sort of ham handed, yeah, um, up to this point, when she enters she's the scene, natural, she's actually yeah. an engaging character. Yeah, yeah, she is. I think it's. I think she's more engaging than in most other like non comedic roles that I can think of her. I agree. Yeah, she, yeah, she is. She is engaging. She's like a normal person. Yeah, I mean, she's got an over-the-top she's, accent, yeah, but she it's can't part do that fucking the, accent any kind of justice. But, no, but no. I mean, she doesn't I'll do let, it I'll well. Let me get away with that. Absolutely, yeah. So she's mm-hmm. well, okay. And so, like, here's what's interesting because it's like, uh, you know, movies are a footprint of a certain time, right? And I think this film kind of bothered us in a weird way. And I, I can hear like some of you out there now listening, like, I thought this was about movies. Oh, here come the social justice warriors. I get it. Yeah. I want to just rather, rather talk, but there's something it's about this film that has to be talked about, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's that she's interesting as an actress because mm-hmm. she's she is in this movie, but she is constantly justifying the attack that's happening. Yes, in a way, yeah, th- this movie could be reliably called Stockholm Syndrome. The movie. Yeah. I mean, she's got a bad case of it. Like, her abductor, yeah. she's, she's a little too sympathetic with this guy who's fucking with her. Heart. We talked about this with Three Days of the Condor, like a year ago or something. Right, right. But I think that this that this, this one's even more of, disturbing. Yeah, the notion of the woman falling in love with her rapist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, I'm uncomfortable with it. All right, so anyway, we should let people in on what's movie, happening here. But there's parts of this movie I'm uncomfortable with. So, but the, this is, yeah, you can't go. There are just different scenarios now for the rest of the film for mm-hmm. Bo to chase Marilyn Monroe down, like, right. go to her house, wake her up, he lie to her landlord. Yeah. He stalks her. And to the point and where then, they're like four characters going like, Bo, it's, she doesn't want you. Well, I'll be right there. And I'm sitting like, there going, why doesn't somebody call a cop? Somebody point a gun at this motherfucker. Yeah. Because we're he, getting he, mad. He ends up kidnapping her. <laughs> he kidnaps her back onto the bus. And again, 
His buddy Arthur mm-hmm. there. He's disappointed a yeah. lot. Yeah, like That's... he's the good guy, but he doesn't. What he does is kind of nothing. No, he doesn't do shit. <laughs> he gets to disapprove him. That's it. So like, there's only one. There's like one other man in the entire movie, which it's is the, the, guy, bus, the bus driver. driver. Right? Yeah. yeah, and he. But we'll get to that in a minute. So he he takes him there and he takes him back with mm-hmm. the the um, aforementioned. Kidnapped Marilyn and, Monroe. Right, yeah. on, the and bus. They, and they, on their way over, on the way to yeah. Phoenix initially, and on their way back, they stop at a bus stop. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the movie. Right. And so there we get these sort of very stock, I would say, dramatic characters, right? Yeah. So, like, I forget her name, but the. the, the, the Vera, the, the, Vera woman, the, the woman who owns the, uh, the, who owns the restaurant. And the bus driver, of course, loves her. Oh, he's, he's, you know. For her, yeah. Right. So. So, um, but so, so does Bo's captor, his, uh, his, tra- his trainer. Yeah, the the guy. I can't remember, I cannot remember the name of the character. Arthur Connolly. Right? I, uh, Arthur Connolly. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy. Anyway, so he's got kind of a thing for her too. So anyway, so look, where it's interesting that they make really interesting use of the city of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the city of Phoenix used in a movie, maybe at all, Ever. very com- complexly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, are uh, moments at the bus stop the second time where there's. Um, an attempt to do sort of like petrified forest style confessional, hmm. you know, a dialogue between sure. people. Right. I admire that. Mm-hmm. Um, I even love that goddamn period of like bad day at Black Rock, you know, this movie of like Technicolor with red letters. Like <laughs> there's so much I, I like about it. And it yeah. used to be um, an er, one of my favorite Marilyn Monroe films. I hadn't seen it in 20 years. And so when uh-huh. I revisited it, mm-hmm. I still have admiration for her. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, see weird. it just to sort of see what people were like. It's like watching Mad Men in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, well, you know, I will say this on my my, on my account. Yeah. It's got Hope Lang in it. Any movie with Hope Lang yeah. in it, I will I will watch that movie at least once. Yeah, that's I true. Just, I just love that woman to death. She ended up marrying the guy, the the actor Bo. No. Yeah, she did. She ended up marrying the, the actor. That guy's rape. Run, no. He's very rapey. No man. Hope Lang. No Hope. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I would. This was a, this was a challenging movie to watch for a lot, large part of it. Yeah. See, I don't want to leave people with this impression though, because anyone. Like oh come on guy like we get it like totally there's, yeah yeah there's other sexism it is other time and racism place. there's lots of things right. that happen in movies that we love for yeah. sure yeah yeah uh, but something about this just didn't let up no it really didn't and yeah. I think it, and I think it misses the mark because it didn't because it just it that's that's why I was wondering if maybe like there maybe they toned parts of picnic down and there was more of that kind of thing in it or something like that that's what I was Wondering, yeah. like, this is really fucking weird and blatant and over the top and uncomfortable and discomforting. So, you know, I, I was uncomfortable watching this movie. Yeah. Um, shit. I, you know, I don't know that I want to recommend anyone watch it, but I don't know that I feel like I should be telling other people what to be doing with their lives on this on this level in any event. So maybe watch oh, it. No. I don't know. Go check it out. Get have some curiosity. Go check it out. How about <laughs> yeah, that? You get a little too fair? deep there, man. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I'm under the impression you I guys actually your, give a fuck what I'm saying. I here. support your right to watch it or not watch it. I won't monitor you. Like, uh, like I calm down. I won't call the cops. I swear <laughs> to God. All right, so look, 